0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. You can always listen to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Music, Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can follow our socials on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, And as I announced on Facebook a few days ago, uh, our guest this week is my good friend Alex Mobosile. And we are going to be talking uh UFC this week, so uh really excited to kind of get out of my comfort zone. Uh, Alex, what's going on?
1: What's going on, Gare? How you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm really excited.
1: Awesome, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Really excited to to get into this. Um, so obviously you and I have been we've been really good friends for quite a long time. Um, and I think since we've become really close. I know that you've always been a big UFC fan. Um so Definitely. my first question today is what is it that drew you to UFC? And like when did you become like a really big fan?
1: So you know, I guess You know, a kid gets into sports, you know, the way every other kid gets into sports, you know, he sees new things once in a while, he gets drawn to a few guys that really speak to him and, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of took off from there. You know, I remember my first fight. Now, obviously, you know, a kid my age shouldn't be watching fights uh, at a very young age. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) No, no, they're, they're not, they're not very kid friendly, but of course, you know, you're You know, you're sitting downstairs in the family room and, you know, Saturday night, you got nothing to do, and your dad's flipping through the channels, and you just see something. So he left on, I can't remember what it was. It was, I think it might have been Fox at the time. I couldn't remember what UFC was signed to, but I'm pretty sure it was Fox Sports. And I remember, you know, just seeing kind of some brief highlights, and then, you know, and it was like, well, now, back to our program, you know, back in old TV days, And it was, I think, Chuck Liddell versus, I believe it was Tito Ortiz. Mm. Uh, I I can't remember who Chuck fought, but I know it was Chuck Liddell because I remember, I remember telling my dad, like he has a funny mustache, (laughs) you know, and I had a funny hairdo, and you know, my, you know, my dad let me watch maybe, you know, two minutes of it, and then he saw, he saw Chuck brutally, brutally knock this guy out, and I can't remember who it was to save my life but it was you know i remember just being astonished just seeing another grown man just you know throw throw punch that hard yeah. and just you know as they call it the ground and pound just keep punching until you know the ref tells him to get off and you know mm-hmm. i was just astonished by it and mm-hmm. you know it was it was just fun to watch and you know of course once you got older you know you try to look up a little bit more and mm-hmm. you know fights and things like that and try to follow it as much as you can but there are a lot of names. There are a lot of names mm-hmm. to be to be said, and it's you know everybody out there knows Conor McGregor, and of course, you of know, course, when you weren't as big of a fight fan, you're like, when's Conor fighting? And yeah, people think that was a a weekly thing, but it's fights are definitely not a weekly thing when it mm-hmm. comes to just one single person.
0: Sure. So. Well, that's interesting because that's you know oftentimes that's how people get interested in in anything. You know that Absolutely. they're you know, watching TV or whatever, and something comes on, then it, you know, peaks, peaks their interest. Mm -hmm. Um, so today we're going to be talking about a couple, uh, fight nights. We're going to talk about, uh, UFC 272. So, um, first we're going to take a look at a kind of a recap of fight night on February 19th, which was last Saturday. So, um, just some thoughts that you had from that, from that event.
1: So they were definitely great fights coming up. We had a, we had what do we have? We have a, we had a middleweight fight. We had a lightweight fight, a heavyweight fight, a light heavyweight fight, and a catchweight fight. And catchweight is definitely something we can get into because catchweight is not actually a weight class, so to speak. Catchweight is kind of, it's, it's kind of a last minute sort of. You know, fight. you know, sometimes fights, fighters can pull out. You know, injuries obviously happen in training camps and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. catch weight is kind of when you don't make weight. And okay. it's two fighters, you know, who are as close to weight as possible because, you know, you can't really cut five pounds in a week. It's almost yeah. hurt. So they try to find a guy who is as close to the weight as possible, and they call it catch weight. I don't remember exactly how close – well, I don't remember exactly what – Class these guys were in, but the catchweight fight, <clears throat> catchweight fight was Kyle Dawkus and um, his opponent Pickett, I can't remember his first name, but that was a that was a actually a buzzer beater buzzer beater finish. So hmm. Kyle Dawkins is um, his older brother Chris Dawkus is actually in the heavyweight division, and he's also a former Philadelphia police officer who actually just lost his last fight back. In 2021, which was the last fight night of the year, he got knocked out by Derek Lewis, Mister Mister King KO, who puts on 13 knockouts in the UFC. That is a that is a championship high career and the most in UFC history. Um, Kyle Dawkins won by submission, uh, actually in the I call it the last milliseconds of the, of the first round.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Won that, and then which I thought was spectacular and I think he absolutely should be up in the ranks now for that and you know Kyle Dawcus is is not someone to look look past because he does have a, a, a good fighting family you know his older brother in the heavyweight division and you know he's actually a pretty dominant force even though he got got knocked out pretty bad but I think Kyle Dawkins should definitely be moving up in the ranks for that mm-hmm. and I think he should be at least in the, in the top 15. And then we move on to the main event, which was Johnny Walker and um, <clears throat> excuse me, and Jamal Hill. And so this, these two guys were already um, in the rankings. They were already in the top 15. I believe Johnny Walker was number 10, and Jamal Hill was number 12. And so that was also a first-round finish. Uh, Jamal Hill absolutely just knocked out, put, put Johnny Walker to sleep, and it was just such a, a, a beautiful textbook knockout. Hmm. And now with this fight, Johnny Walker now moves down to number 12 and Jamal Hill now moves up to number 10. Hmm. So I believe, uh, Jamal Hill, I think the next opponent for Jamal Hill would probably be somebody probably in the lower, in, in like the lower half of the top 10. So okay. guys like, uh, Magomed on uh, Dominic Reyes, Volkan Ozdemir and, um, Nikita Klayoff. And it's, it's very hard to decide and choose how fights can be chosen, especially when, you know, you have somebody who, who knocked somebody out, especially in the first round in the first few minutes, which I, I, I would love to just sit in the matchmaking room and just hear everything they have to say about, Hmm. you know, how fights get put together because there's so many different, you know, trial and error things to it. You know, you just, you know, it could be a knockout, how the guy knocked him out or how hard that guy went to sleep or, you know, performances and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where it's it definitely takes a lot of deliberation to decide sure. who gets to fight next and who and who moves up and who moves down. It's, you know, I, 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 I say I would love to have their job, but at the same time, I would hate to have their
0: job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much that goes into it.
1: it's almost it's almost baffling to, uh, you know, and of course fight fans, of course, love to jump on to the matchmakers next and be like, their job is so easy, you know, all they have to do is, is book fights, but there's just so much more to it, and then, mm. you know and then sometimes the matchmakers come up with just insane fights, and it's just you, you, you just get completely blown away by it, and actually mm. one, <laughs> one, one instance, I would say, would be actually last, last pay-per-view, which is 271 Adesanya versus Whitaker 2, um Derek lewis you know the king king knockout actually um got put in a fight with tai tuivasa who was actually pretty low in the rankings he was actually number 11 but he was on a four. he's on now a five fight winning streak because he just knocked out Derek lewis and Derek lewis was number three in the heavyweight division and bam bam i think was number 11 and now Bam Bam, I believe, is, I think, number three or four. So he just shot up into the rankings. And it's, mm. it's you know, people people lost their minds for this fight because you got a guy, in Derek Lewis, who has 13 knockouts in the UFC, which, as I said before, is the highest in UFC history. Right. And Tai Tuivasa, who has become famously known as Tai Shui Vasa. Every mm-hmm. time he, he likes to uh, take shoes and put either beers or seltzers and put them in shoes and just chug them <laughs> and to become a real fan favorite i, I have to say huh. and he's you know he, he's he's very entertaining to watch and you know i think after this knockout his career is just gonna skyrocket and i wouldn't be surprised if he if probably in his next maybe one or two fights he'll be he'll be up next to
0: uh to face francis and for the heavyweight title gotcha um so one last question about this past uh fight night out of the fights that you watched who is someone that stood out to you and and why
1: I would say I would say definitely um, Jamal Hill and his fight with Johnny Walker the main fight which was the light heavyweight division okay and you know it was one of those fights where you know these guys are pretty evenly matched because they're so close together in in the rankings right. and you know you, you would think it would have been you know a slugfest and by slugfest I mean you know they we thought they probably would have you know, gone the distance gone all five rounds, all five minutes for 25 minutes but it was almost just unexpected to see it happen so fast especially with two guys who were very very close hmm. in, in weight, I think they both made 205 solid, I think they had the same reach and I think maybe Johnny Walker was like maybe a half an inch or an inch taller than him so you have two guys who are very 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 similar Mm-hmm. Just watching somebody get caught like that was just—it was—it was just jaw dropping. So.
0: Gotcha. You know, so looking ahead to, to this weekend, um, there is uh, a fight night. Besides, besides the main card, what uh, what fights are you most curious to watch?
1: So the prelims are always definitely fun to watch. Now I apologize; I don't really know the names very well, but no, no it's worries. Always fun when prelim fight nights are going on because you, you really get to see what some of these young dogs and young cats get to do with the opponent that they're given and it really it really gives them a chance to to wow the boss and Dana White and you know Dana mm. White I would argue that he probably pays more attention to the prelims than he does the actual main card and, and mm. I, I say that because You know, these these are the guys he's going to either you know be confident in and think that you know this this kid or this girl could absolutely make her way up through the rankings and potentially be champion one day. And Mm -hmm. you know, he signs he signs these kids from other either professional sporting, um, other fighting leagues or the um, amateur fighting leagues. And Mm -hmm. it's it's I wouldn't want to have Dana White's job either because you know he's very very proactive. When it comes to signing fighters, he's very proactive when it comes to, um, you know, fighter pay and things like that. And, you know, he he's probably the only only president in a fighting championship that actually signs new talent and signs, um, you know, upcoming prospects and things like that. Mm. That's also why he made his um, that's also why he brought back the Dana White contender series so he can really, you know, sit down and really focus on these new upcoming fighters and these prospects and really get a feel for if they fit in the UFC if they don't fit in the UFC but if you yeah. lose a fight in you know uh Dana White's contender series or the ultimate fighter he still pays very very close attention and even if you lose hmm. if you put on a good performance there's a pretty good chance that you could get signed to the UFC actually the last um ultimate fighter that was uh, that premiered i believe last summer Um, with the coaches of Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega. Mm -hmm. So, um, actually, the the fighter who won, actually, the Ultimate Fighter, Brian Battle, actually won the Ultimate Fighter, and he actually just fought another one of his teammates, so to speak, on the Ultimate Fighter. uh, I can't remember his name. But it was actually a really fun fight to watch because they were actually supposed to fight the last fight on the Ultimate Fighter, which determines who the Ultimate Fighter is. Hmm. And the kid ended up pulling out because I think he had a leg injury. But, you know, the kid didn't win the Ultimate Fighter, but he still ended up being signed to the UFC and fighting Hmm. Brian Battle on one of the prelim fights. I think, I believe, actually, I think it was last fight night. Uh, No, I think it might have been the fight night before that. But nonetheless, it's always fun to watch definitely new guys and see what they can do and new girls to see what they can do if they can handle the pressures of, you know, being in the UFC. Because this, this, this is the, this is the, you know, the top of the top. The UFC is the top. I mean, you can talk all you want about Bellator. You can talk about Strike Force, Cage Warriors, but there's nobody, there's nobody bigger in the fight world than the UFC.
0: Gotcha. So looking at the, looking at the main card, um, what are some things you're looking for? Um, in these in some of these
1: so for this upcoming fight night so the main the main event is definitely going to be the probably the biggest fight and I say that sure. because um, it's Islam Makachev versus Bobby the King Green and Islam Makachev actually is um, is very very close with uh, UFC legend Habib Nurmagomedov and he okay. actually from Dagestan they grew up together and honestly I, I will say that you know With Habib being gone, you know, we have a very, very close spitting image in Islam Makachev. They have very, very close fighting styles. Hmm. They're just full speed ahead. They're, you know, they're all business. They're not really, he's not really much of a trash talker. He's just, you know, get in there, get in the cage and take care of business. Sure. And he is on, I believe, a four or five fight winning streak. He's 21 and one. And he just beat um, Dan Hooker in his last fight. And actually he's number 4 in the lightweight division and okay. it's the lightweight division is probably i would say definitely the most stacked division probably in the UFC you know you have guys like actually i'll just name name the uh, name a few of them and see if you know their names Justin Gaethje Justin Poirier uh, Michael Chandler Tony Ferguson Dan Hooker and the one and only Conor McGregor sure so you know he's Islam Makhachev is number 5 uh, number 4 actually right now and he was supposed to fight um, Benil Dariush, who was actually number three in the um, in the lightweight division. And, it, you know, that was just a fight I was looking forward to so much. But, unfortunately, Benil had to pull out due to a broken, I think, tibula. So, he's mm-hmm. out. And now he's fighting Bobby Green. Now let's talk about Bobby Green. Bobby Green actually just fought in the main card of UFC 271, which was just two weeks ago. And that's almost unheard of to see a guy who, and mind you, this guy went all three rounds in his fight. They went to decision. It was a very, very, very bloody fight. It was wow. you know, a dog fight. And, you know, you don't see guys just raise their hand and say, yep, I'll take the fight two weeks after, after a, a pretty, pretty even win. And, you know, Poppy <laughs> Green in his, um, in his press conference yesterday, he goes, uh, you know, they just kind of threw me back into it. But then I'm hmm. thinking to myself, well, he also said in his interview that, you know, he was the only one who raised his hand. Hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I don't really know where his head is when it comes to this fight. I, okay. I'm talking a little bit of trash to Islam, but at the same time, that's that's just Bobby Green. Bobby hmm. Green is in there just to, to entertain everybody. He's been doing it for years. Huh. He's always fun to watch. And, you know, I, I, I do think that Islam Makachev definitely has a You know has a pretty tough opponent ahead of him but it's not something Islam hasn't seen before I mean he's already beaten a bunch of ranked guys and Hmm. I do think that if if Islam wins this fight I do think that he's probably up next for a title fight against Charles Oliveira in the light for the uh, excuse me the lightweight championship Hmm. and Bobby if he wins uh this is kind of a win-win situation for Bobby. I mean, he doesn't really have anything to lose. I mean, he's already won his last fight in a hmm. pretty dominant fashion. And if he beats somebody who is number 4 in the lightweight division and which is insane because Islam is, is not is not an easy opponent. Right. If Bobby wins this fight, I I believe, you know, he might be in, you know, talks about potential championship as well. Hmm. But it's you know he'll his his popularity as a fighter will definitely skyrocket because he took a fight in such short notice, very short notice, and he won. I mean that's and that's almost unheard of. So it's definitely a very very big win-win situation for Bobby for Islam. It's you know just another day in the office. Do my thinking though, I do think. I do think Islam will beat Bobby, okay. but it's it's definitely very—I don't think he'll knock him out, but I, I do think they—I do think it'll definitely be a very, very, very bloody fight.
0: Gotcha. So looking into this fight a little closer, I noticed that Islam is a southpaw, Bobby is orthodox. Now, someone like me, what what is the difference between those two stances?
1: Orthodox is, you know, it's just the regular, typical fight stance. You know, you have both both one leg back, one leg forward, and okay. usually, your dominant hand is the one that usually throws, what they call the finishing punch. Your left hand would be, you know, just jabs. Southpaw is somebody who does the opposite, but okay. can also, also switch stances. So hmm. in fight camp, the first few things that they teach you is you can't just stick to one to one fight stance and the reasoning for that is because you have to learn to be dominant like say you're a righty Mm -hmm. and you know obviously you punch the best with your right hand you don't punch so great with your left hand but you have to learn to kind of adapt to that and you know you have to learn to switch stances because if a guy can switch stances and your stance like you're in one stance Mm. then you know it's it's not always easy to defend a guy who can do both stances now mind you a lot of a lot of guys can you know switch to southpaw real quick but there are so few guys who can actually you know be proficient in both at the same time Hmm. one particular i think is very very proficient in southpaw and in orthodox would definitely be israel adesanya and i think that also comes with you know certain professions that they that they that they possess and, and i don't know if you ever hear the announcers very closely when they say when bruce buffer goes in this corner you know in the blue corner mm. you know um he'll say you know a, a street fighter or he'll say a mixed martial artist or he'll say a boxer or he'll say a striker he'll say a kickboxer mm. now like that those guys are definitely more proficient in okay a mixed martial artists. when he says mixed martial artist is very typical but you know um, one person I can think of on the bat is actually Jorge Masvidal. He, when he gets announced, he goes, you know, fighting out of the, you know, red quarter, a boxer. So Jorge Masvidal started out as a boxer and then, you know, gradually gets into, you know, striking and submissions and things like that. And they have a lot of coaches for that, but you know, being in Southpaw is definitely, definitely very, very dangerous, especially for a fighter who is not very proficient in switching their stances.
0: Um, so another question i had when when you're watching a fight you know any of these fights what are some things that you're always paying attention to
1: so you definitely have to focus on significant strikes and a significant strike is when a punch or a kick lands cleanly on the intended target okay so a punch is definitely it's a clean hit when you know connects to any part of the face or the side of the head the side of the head is definitely hard because when you block they put their hand sort of behind their ear right. which covers their the side of their ear it covers the their jaw because it's protected by their bicep their tricep their forearm protects their nose and their um, hand sort of protects like the side of their the side of their head the back side of their head so if somebody throws a punch and they throw a clean block, the person who throws the block definitely gets the point. So it's not always it's not always, you know, a high point scoring sort of system because most of the time at the end of round 1, it's usually the most the most points, it's usually 10 to 9 or 10 to 10, you know, it depends on how evenly matched they are. So a significant strike would be to the face cleanly, or a leg kick, or a body kick, and it's usually pretty, pretty simple to see. It's it's mm-hmm. it's definitely hard, especially when you're sitting, you know, cage side. You know, people always say, you know, oh, the, how did how could the judges not see this or see that? But you got to mm. understand, you know, they're they're sitting very very close, and they're not sitting at the same angle like you would be in, in your living room, where right? You very clearly, and there's no cage in front of them. And yeah. You're, you're, you're very aligned with the fighters and things like that. Hmm. Know, th- these guys are really low, and there's a reason why they have, you know, three or four, you know, TVs in front of each judge because they have to really see and really judge whether or not certain, you know, strikes are clean or actually another thing I meant forgot to mention, takedowns are definitely another big thing as well if you get a nice clean takedown and any sort of ground-and-pound clean shot that's another that's definitely another way to gain some points but you know back to the judges hey you know it's as much as i'm very guilty of you know ripping on a judge or ripping yeah. on a you know it's yeah you know their job is is no is no cakewalk it's no picnic and sure you know definitely very hard to judge a judge so to speak especially when you mm-hmm. know, you're watching at home in your living room and it's it, it'll just look so even and you know you think that a guy, oh, this guy definitely won this fight. You know, he was, you know, dominating him or he was throwing him around or doing things like that. And then mm. it doesn't go the way you think it is. So mm. definitely, you know, it's not easy to be a judge. And, sure. you know, I don't want to have their job either. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I mean, that's definitely something when you're watching other sports where it's like, yeah, it looks like you can easily do it sitting on your couch, but, you know, get, yeah, getting into the actual actual event you know is a is a different thing so now looking ahead to like this you know big 272 preview um one quick question though that i thought of just now what exactly is the difference between fight night and like a numbered event like like this
1: so it's kind i'm trying to think of how to say this in you know the the most layman term as possible yeah so Fight night is, you know, there are usually not a lot of big names when it comes to fight night. It's usually a lot more um, prospects or guys kind of lower in the rankings to see where it's in, 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 to, to cut it short and to make it really, really simple. It's kind of a lot of, you know, not a lot of moneymaker fighters. Okay. So, you know, you, you wouldn't pay, you know, 60 or $70 to watch, you know, somebody, you know, in the you know the top 15 or in you know not guys who are unranked you know things like that you yeah. pay not pay that which is why they put it on espn plus and before that they had it on fox sports they had it on uh you know at the time at a time it was spike tv you know that's a name for yeah. it yeah there you uh, go you know so stuff like that so it's kind of a lot of you know not really the money making fights mm-hmm. but it definitely does contain fighters that have been around for a long time but even guys who haven't who you know were away for a while and back and things like that like actually there have been some big names in the last you know few months of fights uh, fighters in um Fight Night actually one one name and uh, one name in particular is Misha Tate. So Misha Tate is you know a big big former champion in I believe the bantamweight division and the women's bantamweight division and she was gone for a little while so we haven't seen her in 4 years and then you know she was at one championship for a little while she you know she gave she became a mom she got a, had a son you know and you know she texted Dana a little while back and you know was like I'm ready I have a lot more in the tank I'm not ready to retire yet. Mm-hmm. You know Dana put her in she she put her in with a fight I can't remember her name but she she ended up winning her fight. Me Tate ended up winning her fight. And another name actually would be <laughs> would be TJ Dillashaw who was another big big name in the fight world who mm-hmm. was out for a little while due to uh not, not, not testing cleanly. Let's just uh, let's just put it that way. Okay. Wasn't testing clean for a little while, so he was on suspension for I believe two years, which mm-hmm. is insane. And then you know he came back and he fought, I believe it was Corey Sanhagen. For mm-hmm. yeah, it was Corey. Yeah, he, he he beat Corey Sanhagen in Fight Night, so that's another big fight that happened. And Derek Lewis even fights in Fight Night. He actually beat after he lost to Cyril Gaon in the interim heavyweight uh, interim interim championship he fought chris dakis in the last fight night of the year in 2021 i can't remember what date it was i believe it was uh, sometime in december but he beat chris dakis in glorious fashion big big knockout i believe in round two and you know so there are big name fighters in fight night but definitely not as much as you would see in a pay-per-view fight or a, a numbered fight
0: sure so looking at UFC two seventy two on, uh March fifth I believe, um, yeah. looking at this main event between Masvidal and, Kobe Covington, which which fighter do you think has the upper hand going into this?
1: See see this is this is the part where I would go into the you know the statistics of them and just you know talk about their fighting styles and things like that. But the the, the reason why I can't do that, is because. Both of these guys have very, very high tolerance for, you know, fighting there. They've they've just been so... Watching their last fights have have just been insane to watch. Colby Covington obviously going the distance again with Kamara Usman. And Jorge Masvidal actually losing to Kamara Usman by knockout, which uh, before that, I think Jorge Masvidal hadn't been knocked out, I believe, in four years. But another thing that's the biggest thing that you can't really take away from this fight is that both of these guys know each other, you know, almost as if they were family. And I mm-hmm. say that because these guys were on American Top Team together. American Top Team is a um, is a how do I say it? It's kind of it's a team where there are a lot of fighters who practice together. So a lot of different fighters have their own teams, and a lot of fighters have their own coaching staff and things mm-hmm. like that. But these Colby, Colby, and Jorge were on American Top Team for very long time they were best friends for a long long time you know they were on they were they would come out to the octagon and be their you know their squad right outside of the cage and you know when when rounds would be over they'd be the guy giving them water and you know wiping the blood off their their faces and things like that and they they were hmm. best friends and they watched each other you know grow and you know win fights and things like that and you know in these interviews you know Kobe Covington called him you know Jorge Masvidal my best friend we're gonna take over the world and things Mm. like that, and they they were best, best friends. I mean, Colby Covington, you know, was on Jorge Masvidal's couch for a while. I mean, there was a time where Colby would couch hop before he, you know, made it into the UFC, and, Mm. you know, uh, it's just, it's incredible to see that guys who were on the same team together who were such best friends, they were training partners, they were sparring partners, Mm. and, you know, I'm I'm not going to speak for what happened, but I, I believe... I believe the reason why they're just no longer there. Well, they went from friends to just deathly enemies. I think it was you know after Colby won the interim the interim um, welterweight championship, he was parading around here like like he was the actual champ. Like he was parading around like he he conquered the unconquerable. He was parading around mm. like he like he won the like he won the gold. Like parading around like he won the gold. Now mind you, he did win gold, but it was just interim. So. And you know, he started becoming more of a, a loudmouth and becoming more of, you know, a trash talker and he, he mm. makes things very, very personal. And it's it's almost personal to the point where it's almost you, you can't come back from some of the things that he says. You know, mm. he, he you know, he calls Jorge a journeyman, he calls him, you know, street Judas, he calls him, you know, uh, you know, illegal, he calls him all these types of things. It's it's mm. it's almost it's okay. It's very entertaining to a certain extent but mm. it, it, it's it becomes very very personal you know right it's not like it's not unlike Colby to talk trash but it's another thing to get very personal he was very I will say he was very personal when he was fighting Kamara Usman for the second time you know he he called Kamara Usman's dad he goes he goes I will call his parole officer and have him you know you know have permission to get here and he talked so much about first responders and things like that and he calls himself um, Trump's favorite fighter, and you know it's. I believe that Colby just thinks he's the man when he's not really the man. But I can't. You can't talk too much bad about him because he is the number one fighter in the welterweight division. And the thing is, the man can fight. He absolutely sure. knows how to fight. He has a very, very strong chin. He, I think, he was only knocked down, and he only got knocked down once. I think in the last. Maybe three or four fights, and Kamaru Usman was the one to knock him down. And he's very, very tough. He's a very tough opponent. He's not somebody somebody who's. It's not like he's talking trash and can't fight. This man right. can absolutely fight, and there's a reason why he's still the uh, you know top ranked um, welterweight in the world. And you know, I, I believe Dana White said it very well that if Kamaru Usman does not exist, Colby Covington is the champion, and I do believe that. I think he's absolutely right you know he's just so good in that stance he's very good in the clinch he knows how to box he's very good on the ground he's proficient at wrestling he's very very good it's just you know it it becomes very personal when you know you attack a man's family and you attack a man's Mm -hmm. um you know creed and you attack a man's you know uh you know looks and things like that now this is the fight game mind you it's a very very mean business Mm. so if you don't have a strong chin or a strong spine in this business, then you're not going to survive. Sure. And you know, it's this is the name of the game. But I do think there are some lines to be towed, especially right. when you know it become it almost becomes sort of like you know playground trash talk when you're kids. You know, mm. you're you know you're stupid and you're this and you're that. But yeah. Of course, I'm more rated R than that. Yeah. But some of these guys definitely don't. Get bothered by it because he talks trash to everybody, in right? The, in in the whole UFC, not even in just his division, he talks about everybody. You know, he he calls Dustin Poirier, you know, piece of you know trailer trash. He calls his wife, you know, very bad names. He you know that that's his thing, that's his shtick, and it's just it definitely grew after he won the interim title. And you can look at any of his interviews, you can you know any interviews, any you know press conferences, any weigh it's always very toxic with him and that's mm-hmm. why people love him so much and the thing is you can't hate a man for being entertaining and he there are things he says some things he says that are very very funny but there are things he's he's entertaining that's that's what draws the people and that's right. probably why he's still around but he's also you can't take away his fighting skills he's very mm-hmm. very now jorge hall that man has been around the block he has fought Big names. He's fought Nate Diaz. He's fought Kamara Usman. He's fought uh, huge, huge names in this in in this sport. And you can't take any way anything away from him. You know, he's been around a while. He is the BMF champion, as as they uh, as they call him. You know, he's he's amazing. He's he's just he's a very 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 skilled boxer and somebody who definitely. Is tough and takes fights on short notice. He his first fight with um, Kumara Usman. He took I think on believe I believe six days notice and went the distance. He went the full five rounds with him. Wow, it was just amazing to see. And also, he they were fighting on Fight Island in, in Abu Dhabi, and that's that's not a short plane ride either. So just Mm-mm. the fact that he went five rounds to decision with the welterweight champion of the world, who arguably I would say is definitely the best welterweight champion in the world. Of or of all time, I should say, and and went all five rounds is unbelievable. Now, he did get knocked out in his second fight, but it's he he's another guy who's also very very entertaining to watch. And hmm. oh, another thing I forgot to mention, he also has the quickest knockout in UFC history as well five seconds in round one. Wow! He threw uh, his flying knee to Ben Askren to win him to win. Um, I believe it was also for the BMF title. I could be wrong, but he he's beaten huge names: Ben Askren, you know Nate Diaz. He's beaten, you know Darren Till. He's beaten, um, you know big names in this in this business. And hmm. it, another thing that's very hard to judge between the the fight between these two guys is not only do they know each other very well, it's you know they're very evenly matched. I think even though Colby is number one in the rankings, and um, uh, Jorge is I think number. Six, I believe yes number six he's number six but I, I, this is a big fight for both of them so this is definitely probably you know besides the fact that they had two championship fights I think it's the biggest fight probably in their careers and I say that wow. because it is such a high ranking and such a high intensity fight that, sure. excuse me that if either one of these guys win, I believe Colby is definitely back in the fight for a um, welterweight fight. Now, I don't know if it would be against Kamara Usman or if, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, if Kamara lost his next fight, God knows when that'll be. Um, he'll Colby will definitely be the next knocking on the door. But if Jorge wins this fight, I, I believe he's probably going to go to either number one or number two in the mm. welterweight division. And Colby, I think, might still be in the top five but I think he might drop down to maybe four or five. So, again, I wish I could be in the matchmaking room, but it's it, this mm. is not only a really, really big grudge match that we've all waited five years for, yeah. it's, definitely a, it's definitely a fight that you have to focus on because you will be either knocked out of the top five or brought into the top five. Right. So it's a very, very, very volatile <sighs> fight in, in mm-hmm. both aspects.
0: What are like a couple of other fights that you're excited for, uh, March, March 5th?
1: So, Rafael DeSanos, uh, Rafael DeSanos makes his return again, and okay. we all know him as the fighter who was supposed to fight Conor McGregor but pulled out. Hmm. And you know, he this will be a great fight, and he's fighting, um, Rafael Faziv and he's also 11 and 1, and he, you know, he's not somebody to you know be taken lightly either and you know rafael Desanos is he's been around for a long time he's you know he's been in 40 fights he's he has 30 wins and 13 losses i mean this is a very very seasoned veteran a former champion who is fighting somebody who's 11 and 1 and who's just been on a really dominant a dominant warpath and it's just that's going to be another crazy fight to see you know, a legend in RDA versus Raphael Fiziev. just seeing who comes victorious in that fight is just going to be insane, and actually, I'm looking at the card right now, every single one of these fights are, are, are definitely intriguing to me okay. uh, um, so RDA versus Rafael Fiziev is the co-main event, and the other fights previous to that is Edson Barbosa versus Bryce Mitchell Kevin Holland versus Alex Oliveira and Greg Hardy versus Sergey Spivak. And definitely another fight that speaks to me is Greg Hardy. You know, does that, does that name ring a bell It again? does.
0: Yeah, it does.
1: So, uh, Greg Hardy, former, um, Carolina Panther D lineman. He, you know, he, after he got, uh, did he get kicked out of the NFL? Or was it, he just got cut or, you know, yeah, I think he got kicked. I can't remember
0: why, it's, it's something like that. Yeah.
1: He, yeah, he's a, uh, he, he's uh he's a big guy and he, yeah i don't totally know his story about how he jumped from the nfl to the ufc which you know just saying that just sounds just sounds weird to me just yeah. somebody nfl and jumps to the ufc but greg hardy is seven and four that's fairly fairly good for somebody with his <clears throat> with his athletic caliber um did lose his last fight, though. He got knocked out in the first round by Ty Tuivasa, um, and he does have one no contest, so I believe he got disqualified in one of his fights. I mean, he's a very, very full-throttle type guy. He's not somebody you can stare. If you stare at Greg Hardy at the other end of the octagon, I mean, and you you are not shaking or have goosebumps, you, you're insane. I mean, he's a huge, huge guy. He's got mm-hmm. big knockout power. I mean, he hasn't had too many fights in the UFC, but he's definitely not one to take lightly. Um, and he's facing a guy in um, Sergei Spivak, and he's also a big guy as well. He's 13-3, and three, but I believe his last few, I think his last three fights were won by knockout. And that's going to be, the heavyweight division is always very entertaining to watch because there's always just fists flying, and you know, you wait for that, that sports center moment to see mm. who who falls to the ground and who falls asleep. Who falls asleep first, that's always fun to watch. And another fight, Edson Barbosa versus Bryce Mitchell. Now this is going to be a dog fight. And I, I say a dog fight because Edson Barbosa is very, very technical. He's a sniper. He can hit his shots right to the face just quickly and precisely. And, you know, he's It's almost like you can't really blink with his fights. Because if you blink, you'll miss it. You know, he's won a couple of his last fights in knockout. Actually, I can't remember if it was his last fight or the fight before. But he actually punched the guy so hard that the guy was still standing. But it was a very delayed reaction. So he punched him, I think, right in the jaw. And the kid was still standing. Then all of a sudden, just stepped backwards a bunch and fell into the cage. and, and, And that was it. So oh. he's just one of those guys where if you blink, you'll you'll miss his fight without oh. without without question. So this this card is absolutely stacked and I, I just can't wait for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it should be a fun um event. Which which like one or two fighters do you think has the most to gain from this event? Like if they do really well, what do you like do you think who do you think okay. has the most to gain?
1: I, I think I, I going back to Colby and Mosbado. I, I think both of them have the the most to gain out of everybody. Sure. I'm not really sure where RDA fits. Actually, RDA is number six in the in the rankings of uh, of uh, of the lightweight division. Actually, Rafael Fiziev is also as well. So I would definitely say I would definitely say Colby and Mosbado and um, RDA and Fiziev because. Fazib is number 11 and if he beats a legend in rda then i think he definitely he definitely makes top five at least but it's very hard to decide Mm -hmm. who he would replace so i think he would probably be in top 10 and rda might drop down to maybe like eight or nine but you know definitely those guys have you know if they if they lose then you know they might be moving down in in the rankings or move Colby and Mosvidal, just because they're so close to the top guy. Well, they are the top guys in, in their division. Just if one of them loses, I mean, they could could drop them down to to ten or even even to six. Which
0: mm-hmm.
1: is, and so, definitely, those guys have probably the most to gain and to lose. So this is fights that they can't afford to lose.
0: Gotcha. So, um, at the current moment, I think that you know there are a lot of people that are kind of casual fans of UFC and like know the, the big name people Mm -hmm. who are some fighters that to you are like really underrated that like casual fans may not even know who they are.
1: So definitely underrated people who I think that people should know about are, uh, I would definitely say, uh, Hamzat is another guy in the, uh, welterweight division who should definitely get more recognition than he does. You know, he's a number 11 guy, you know, he, He's just a really vicious fighter when it comes to knockouts. He, his last fight, he won in glorious fashion. He won um, with a really, really deadly rear naked choke. And he's also undefeated. You know, he's undefeated. He's never lost. He, you know, he, um, he actually retired for a good little bit because of COVID. And he's a Russian fighter. And COVID you know, hit Russia pretty hard, which is why we waited so long to see the Habib-Justin Gaethje fight. And, you know, he's, he's he's the total package when it comes to a fighter. He's undefeated, which fans love. He's just, he's a trash talker, but he's a very, very straightforward trash talker. He tells you what he's going to do, and then he does it. Like, he told wow. um, Li Yingling that he was going to pick him up, toss him, and make him tap. And that's exactly what he did. He picked him up, he brought him right over to Dana and said, Dana, watch this. Threw him onto the ground, and then just... Rear naked choked him like like there was no tomorrow, and and you know. well wow. a- Afterward, he just he got on he got onto the mic with Daniel Cormier and just said, "I'm coming for everybody. I'm coming for wow. everybody, and I am coming hard for everybody." Hmm. And he doesn't also question any anything either. He goes, "If Dana wants me to fight this person, I will fight them. Hmm. You know, there, there's there's no opponent that I can't beat, and there's no opponent that I will not take." So that's definitely another hmm. fighter who. I believe it's underrated that fans should definitely keep an eye out for. Mm. Um, who else? I think. Well, mind you, there are so many, you know, lead guys in, in, in each one of their divisions simultaneously. And right. Actually, another fighter. Let's 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 step out of the um, out of the men's division for a second. and Let's talk about the women. Now, I think there there are so many people in the women's division who want to get a hold of you know, Amanda Nunes and Rose Namahunez and Valentina and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I would say probably one fighter to definitely look out for in the women's division would be probably Rose Namahunez. Now, mind you, she is champion, but she's definitely not very known okay. when it comes to casual fighters. And she's, you know, she's great on, she's great on her feet. She can switch to Southpaw really well. and. Hmm. You know, she won both of. She won her her title uh, defense and her um, her uh, championship fight. So when she won for the second time, she's now a two time strawweight champion. She won in glorious fashion with one big high kick to the to the chin, and just down goes Zhang Wei Li. And she's she she says it every time she's in her corner. She just says, "I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the best." And she is, and she's. Mm. I don't think there are too many women in the star rate division who can line up well with her, especially when she is just a pure striker and she is going to come at you with everything she has. But she's just gonna wait and you know pick her moment right and just you know go in for the kill. So that's another name hmm. in, in UFC who definitely should take the interest of a casual fan.
0: Gotcha. Um, so one last question before we let you go. Who are, does not have to be ranked, but who are your top five favorite fighters in UFC, like all time?
1: All time. So, at the moment, not in a, well, actually, one in particular order. Conor McGregor is definitely always my, he's been my favorite fighter of sure. all time. Yes, that sounds very cliche and everyone's favorite fighter. And, you know, it's just, you know, we know Conor McGregor and he, he talks a lot of smack. And yeah. He's not, and he's the, you know, things like that, and he's just, you know, not even just the fact that he's just probably one of the best fighters to ever put on a pair of gloves. He's the most entertaining. He, he, he really put UFC on the map. You know, he he was the, one of the first. I think he was the first uh, two division champion. And he, you know, his 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 startup was just such a rise to fame. And you know, it's ridiculous. He big beat big, big names like Dustin Poirier. He beat. Um, oh my god this is bad I'm, I'm blanking on who he's beaten he's beaten you know Dustin Poirier he's beaten um, oh god really bad he's um, uh, he's beat Chad Mendez he beat Jose Aldo he beat um, all these big names and actually I think the fight that put him on the map would definitely be his Jose Aldo fights and mm. you, Jose Aldo at the time was you know undefeated and 10 years and he beat him in 13 seconds with one queen one quick punch so definitely connor uh habib is one of my favorite fighters you know a man who had a storybook career he Hmm. was 20 no he's never lost he you know he he always said he was gonna smash somebody i'm gonna smash your board guys Hmm. just somebody who has had a career that any fighter can only dream of you know he, he's 29 and oh he's you know very brutal he's just a very well-rounded man and he's just will definitely go down in history as one of the probably the pound-for-pound pound best, best fighter on the planet and he will no doubt in my mind be a hall of famer and first ballot hall of famer without question so he's one so israel adesanya is another fighter i love uh Kamaru usman francis Nganu um, Valentina Shevchenko, Amanda Nunez, just to name a few names. Sure. But th- those would definitely be my favorite fighters to look out for.
0: Gotcha. Um, well, thanks. This has been a great conversation. Um, of course, man. Hope that uh, all the listeners enjoy this. You know, step step out of the box doing something different. But, uh, hey, it's, it's always good. Always good talking to you. Um,
1: Absolutely, guys. UFC 272, 10 p.m., the main card starts, uh, ESPN Plus, live from Vegas.
0: Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, hopefully we can hear from you at some point in the future, you know, if there's any big upcoming things that that, that happen. Um,
1: well, we got a lot of uh, big, big pay-per-view fights up ahead. It's,
0: absolutely.
1: You know, Dana White really has it in for us this year. You know, you thought 2020 and 2021 were big years? I, I can only imagine <laughs> how these next few fights are going to turn out.
0: Gotcha. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. It was great conversation. Um, thanks for having me. And yeah, everyone, you can, we'll get this interview out to you guys, Guest Friday. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back with everyone on Monday. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. All right, everyone, have a good weekend.